frustrated that they lost this here at home. And now he's got an opportunity to win? To send Nashville to the quarterfinals. Luis Melagone off his line early on what he and everybody in this building thought was a game-winning penalty save about 10 minutes ago. Lovitz now in the seventh round to put Nashville through. Well, since we last joined you, not much has happened. Only Nashville SC beating a Mexican powerhouse after having lost the game on two separate occasions and then hitting the other side of the comfort spectrum with a 5-0 win over Minnesota United this week. What you just heard, of course, was the closing sequence of Nashville SC's penalty kick. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. It wasn't a shootout. It was a drama <laughs> fest. It was a fiesta. Invasion. It was a fiesta indeed for both for both groups of fans, one of which took place on the pitch. Once those fans were cleared off, Nashville SC got the job done uh, after getting the job done at the death to send it to PKs. Apple TV, Taylor Twelman, Jake Zivin with an excellent call. And yes, the Minnesota United match, Tim, was the more recent of the contests. But man, you, you can't resist the urge to put up that America sound at the end as we start Club and Country, the podcast of record for National SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. And I'm Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the creator of ClubCountryUSA.com. It's hard to find two games that felt any more different, Tim, in terms of nerves. The um, the one where Nashville lost twice and still won against America. <laughs> the one where they had control after a red card from DJ Taylor uh, from Minnesota. Just two completely different feelings for Nashville SC as they are in the semifinals. Yeah, I, I definitely have to admit, I didn't see Nashville finding the late equalizer uh, in in regulation time there nor waiting five minutes for a VAR check and that lifeline against America. Um, I did see them beating Minnesota. Um, Of course, it was much easier than anyone could have expected for reasons that are uh, not replicable (laughs) because of that red card that you mentioned. But it is something that um, Nashville is probably due for an easy one. And and, well, thanks to DJ Taylor, they got it. Yeah, I I got a little flack on on Twitter for saying, was there even an opponent on the pitch uh, against Minnesota? And and of course, I'm (laughs) factoring There was certainly one fewer. Exactly. And I'm factoring it in my head. Yes, of course, Nashville's up a man. But but even despite that, you know, you see teams a lot of times, Tim, you know, bunker in that situation and almost sometimes become harder to beat. Uh, Now, early red cards, a different challenge because you've got to do that for longer. But, you know, Gary has talked about before, you know, when teams sub out a striker and essentially just focus on going all in on defense, mm-hmm. try, especially to knock out competition, yeah. playing for penalties. They can be tougher to beat. I thought the patterns of play for Nashville in that game, and I'm thinking specifically about the, the Mukhtar overlap to Lovitz, then the pass through, the tap, the goal, the one that was the highlight goal. I think, I think that was some of the best soccer Nashville's played. And I don't know that it matters a whole lot that they were up a man there. It was still really good soccer. Yeah, it's it's definitely easier when you have fewer guys to do it against. But uh, Nashville not only did what they were supposed to do with a man advantage, but they wanted to make it look pretty, and they did. Uh, I think maybe they knew that the eyes of the nation were upon them, and they were um, maybe sending a statement, hey, we're not the team that you guys think we are. Um, if you actually watch us, we, we can do some pretty impressive stuff, not just go out and grind out 1-0 wins. And um, they ground out a, a 5-0 instead. Not bad. So I asked you this after the Cincinnati PK win. Uh, I, I think we said yes then, but let's refresh it now. League's Cup, you have to consider it a success now, right? Wes, can I get greedy? <laughs> get greedy. Everybody in Nashville's greedy right now. You yeah. join the club. Yeah, in, in terms of meeting and exceeding expectations, 
expectations as they enter the tournament. It's an, it's an unmitigated success at this stage. There's nothing to complain about. But when you look at what's ahead of them, a semifinal or a third place game win gets you into next year's CONCACAF Champions League or, or Champions Cup, whatever they stupidly changed the name to. And then if you look at uh, that win, if it comes in the semi, if it comes tonight against Monterey, that's that's a pretty serious <laughs> accomplishment on its own. But it also means you are one game away from the club's first trophy. You are hoisting the the longstanding League's Cup trophy that everybody has been, you know, from the crib, they've been they've been dreaming of winning that when they grow up. So that's something that you can really, um, you know, stick in your back pocket and, and stick in your trophy case at, at Geodas Park. Yeah, I think if you go 0-2 in these next two games, it's a successful tournament that probably feels like a failure and stings a little bit. But I, I want to emphasize that again. One and one in the next two, in either order. And Nashville SC is in CONCACAF Champions League next year. Three of the four remaining teams will be in. A little bit of clarification. If Monterey, uh, whatever Monterey does, they're in next year by virtue yeah. of their Liga MX performance. However... If they were to falter, it would go to the next Mexican team. It would not go to automatically the third MLS yeah. team. In they the they currently they currently possess the Liga MX entry, and right. if they if they get one through uh, this competition, they will get that one, and then the next Liga MX team will get the Liga MX entry for it. So we're going to preview Monterey, and and Tim, you have special perspective about this Rayados team. You know them well. They're the club that that you know, you tend to follow in in Liga MX. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that today. So you're... shout out to Ake Lobos <laughs> while we're at it. <laughs> you uh, you saw this coming, um, mm-hmm. Ake Loba, perhaps. Um, so so we're going to do that. We're going to look at a crazy week, but first, again, have to revisit America. We're going to do that in a bit. I want to ask you two two broad questions about that win. Was it the most exciting win, technically a draw, the most exciting victory advancement in club history, in your opinion? Uh, Yeah, I, as, as much as I can think of, especially because of the way that we, you're in the ninth minute of stoppage time before finding an equalizer. That that says a lot about you know the excitement level as you kind of have the despondency in the fourth minute of stoppage time as, as the VAR check uh, correctly, as we'll get to in a moment, um, gives America the penalty. Yeah, there's just so much going on, especially in the late stages of the game. You have to look at that and say, somebody can can come out and tell me that there's been a more exciting one, and I will consider that, but it's certainly not anything that springs to mind. Yeah, three candidates for me that come close to this. I don't think any of them beat it. Um, Atlanta United 4-2 uh, in Nashville in 2020. It's less exciting because there were no fans there. It would have been more significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, for all the right reasons, there were no fans there. Yeah, uh, Our crowd mic was on a press like a luxury box in that game on the radio it was, it was rough <laughs> um i think of course of, of the toronto playoff win uh as being significant and very exciting mm-hmm. but again that's on the road in front of oh, literally nobody because it's in connecticut against toronto and i think of austin last year at home the the Mukhtar versus Driusi that kind of clinched the mvp for him all yeah. very exciting i i'm with you i don't think any approach this given the stakes given the crowd given the way it all went down uh, the latest goal in club history uh, to date. Was it the most important win, though, in Nashville SC history, knowing that if they win tonight, that changes? Yeah, it, it allows for tonight's game to exist. And tonight's game could potentially be the most important game in club history. Um, at the end of the day, advancing in a what some clubs have treated as and what some see as a, a friendly competition doesn't carry the same sort of significance as for example a playoff win in mls cup playoffs um it's a sort of situation where yes the, there is a Concacaf champions league berth on the line 
but it wasn't in that game. So for that reason, it's it's going to be tough for that one to stand up. And I think I think that again, it allows for the existence of tonight's game, which can be the most important in club history. Um, but to date, no, you, you've you've won games on the path to actually accomplishing something. Um, and and well, yes, that America game kind of was it. It wasn't quite the same stakes yet. That's uh, I really just with... talked my way around the, the dumbest. <laughs> talked my way in circles, whatever. No, it's it, but it's all. I, I feel you on all those things. It's like Gary Smith told me when I was prepping for the Chicago match that I called earlier this year. He said, you know, the more we win, the more pressure we face, and we want mm-hmm. that. And uh, so great win against America. I think off oh, the pitch. Won that one, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not revisit Chicago at this exciting juncture. <laughs> that was not the most important game in club history or most exciting. Uh, but but I think, you know, even off the pitch, you know, I, I don't think that Nashville fans gained a whole lot of respect for a few a, a minority of America supporters who charged the pitch. But in, in terms of marketing, we talked about how it's important to reach out to Fan bases that are not MLS mm-hmm. fan bases that reside in Nashville. First Toluca, now America, two extremely exciting matches that could draw some of those folks into Nashville SC. Um, hopefully they stay in their seats. But but I think, again, <laughs> most America fans did. And we don't want to color their actions by a few who who did some shambolic stuff there. Um, all right. So we're on board. Most exciting win in club history and a very important win, but won't be the most important if Nashville gets it done, of course, against Monterey. In the early shout, we're going to look back at a crazy week. We will preview Monterey in some detail uh, in the mailbag. Question about, like, you know, does Nashville go for it? Do they start thinking about the league schedule a little? Do they do they bunker? Do they bunker against Monterey, knowing what Monterey has to offer? Uh, first, ML Rose, I do want to revisit a couple of, uh, of tweets sent our way in the absence. Thanks for your patience, folks, in uh, with us, I, we were both traveling last week. I, I'm the main culprit in this that I just was internet was very difficult. Schedule was very difficult bouncing from um, Canada to Niagara Falls to Snowshoe, West Virginia, which is lovely. Uh, but a couple of you did uh, did tweet ML Rose accounts. And so I want to to get those uh, get those mentioned here as well, because it was great to hear um, some folks going before the America match. And yes, I'm stalling a little bit as I scroll down to find those in my mentions and realizing now my mentions were busy after the America contest. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to scroll a different way. Here we go. So Sean White, gratuitous pick for cred. And he sends a picture of beer with soccer on in the background. Sean, great work. And Kevin Morrison, longtime listener, first time burger eater or whatever he actually ate at ML Rose. He says, first time here, excited to be able to finally try it out. Uh, Kevin, report back. Tell us what you thought of your ML Rose experience. Uh, Tim, it's great that uh, this culture around ML Rose is building connected to Nashville SC and even connected to our show a little bit. It's clear we're driving just a little bit of business. We have credibility in one area, and that is burgers <laughs> and beer. I, I like to think we have credibility in soccer as well. And uh, you do and that we didn't necessarily need to establish credibility in at least the beer world. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we've used used our, our beer credibility to to partner with ML Rose and and the fact that people are not only listening to the ad, to the ads that we that we put in every single episode but they're they're taking us up on our offer to to go check out ML Rose and every single person that we have talked to has said man that was that was awesome i had a great time it is everything you guys talked it up to be and i'm really excited that that people are are not only 
going, but they're enjoying it. They know that we're, that we're not just saying it because, because we get paid to do so. We're saying it because it's a, a product and an establishment that we believe in. More on Morose in just a little bit. I want to reserve this space too to do something we usually do at the end of the show, which is encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to this show. Hop on Apple Podcasts, tell us what you think, tell the world what you think, and give us uh, hopefully a five-star rating. Uh, and I, I do want to give credit to Joel for doing just that. We said we'd read these on the show. Uh, Joel says, whether you've played the sport or want to get into the numbers and analysis or you're a new fan of the team and sport, Tim and Wes do an excellent job at striking that balance. Part of my Tuesday routine for sure. Keep up the good work. Joel, thank you so much for that review. Again, if you have nice things to say about us, stick them on Apple Podcasts. If you don't have nice things to say about us, do that anyway, I guess. And we just probably <laughs> won't read them on our show. Uh, but uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Encourage you again to subscribe as well. So this goes right to your feed on Tuesdays. All right, let's move to the early shout. We think we're going to go at least to 10, maybe 11, because of the long stoppage for video. Oh, what a ball this is. Mokhtar, does he have some more magic in him? Surridge in the middle. Mokhtar falling in Surridge. Apple TV's call of Sam Surridge's equalizer against Monterey, the uh, latest goal scored in Nashville SC history, and it capped some craziness in stoppage time as Tim, a PK was given after Lucas McNaughton's handball in the box, 94th minute it was scored, and it looked like America was going to outlast Nashville after a good Nashville performance. I'd even texted some friends, look, Sucky loss, great night for Nashville anyway, learned a lot about themselves, and then they learned even more with Sam Surge's header in the 99th. Couple of questions. Was the was the penalty a good call in your view? Yeah, it was. I had a, a actually a much more uh, robust <laughs> group of Nashville C fans in my mention saying, no, he's not trying to make his body any bigger. It's It's kind of incidental contact. And while it is incidental contact, the hand is outside the frame of his body. And unfortunately uh, that is enough to, uh, to make for a handball uh, via the laws of the game. Um, the, the natural position thing is much more about if you're sliding and you put your arm down so that you don't like dislocate your shoulder. It's not intended for, Oh, I'm kind of jumping out of the way. And, and my hand is, is extended in front of my, my leg as my leg is up. It's unfortunate that it missed his leg and hit his hand, but that's, that's the play. Yeah, it's an unlucky play. He's doing nothing to try to make his body bigger, but intent is not part of the equation here. Intent would be part of the equation if you're talking yellow card or worse, but his hand's there. It's it's there. It's I mean, it's one of those where you, you initially it happened so fast, I didn't catch it. And then on the replay, the first replay, yeah, like, it was, no, it was no pretty question. clear from the replay. Yeah. No question whatsoever. And it looked like Nashville was done until Sam Surridge with his header in the 99th minute Good debut for Sam, uh, not just the goal, but also the PK and just the general way he comported himself on the pitch. You happy with what he did? Yeah, he was okay, I guess. <laughs> I think <laughs> when you score when you score a goal to keep your team alive and they ultimately go on and advance with your uh, contributions, playing an insanely large role in that, you can, you can go ahead and, and put your head on the pillow at night and say you did a good job at the office on the day. But uh, you, you saw... And not only that match, but it, but in the Minnesota match as well. And and there's still going to be more out of Sam Surge. But you saw what he brings at this club has been missing. And it's um, you know, it's something that that I think you and I have been a little skeptical that the club absolutely needs, which is an aerial threat. But um, you know, if if he's gonna provide it, I don't think anybody's gonna say, No, never mind, we don't want that <laughs> because <laughs> because it's it's not the most beautiful way to play. He came out and did uh at least what was asked of him, and I I would contend more than was asked of him 
other than the circumstance that he found himself in at the end of the game and he um came through with flying colors two other moments i want to talk about um the paninka in pks as yeah. well what a what attitude that is i mean it's clever it's knowing that's probably going to work but it's also that i almost wonder if it's a statement as well i mean first and foremost he wanted to score but second yeah this idea that like you know hey guys i'm not afraid to go for this i belong here i mean i thought it was it was a, a great moment for the club uh you know obviously on the scoreboard to keep them alive but also uh the way he did it yeah i think do you think english people have like a a different name that's like some sort of food related gross food item related rather than panenka they call it like a i don't know a soggy toast or something it's i think a, they probably they probably have something it's a mushy pea yeah it's a, it's a mushy <laughs> pea you know it's just it's soft it's a little slimy but it gets the job done uh that's a terrible terrible thing to characterize it as is but it maybe... an eel are you thinking of an eel in the in the 1989 disney channel animated or 1989 disney animated film the little mermaid it's slimy, but it gets the job done. Yeah, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah. Poor unfortunate souls, America. Yeah. Uh, the other moment shout out, shout out to the Little Mermaid. Watch the new one uh, this week. It was great. Cameron has a Little <laughs> Mermaid uh, toy now, little little dog. He's obsessed with mermaids, and uh, he's a big fan as well. So can't wait to show him the movie. We Kids be older. loving mermaids. They do love mermaids, man. Merman, merman. Sorry, Zoolander <laughs> reference there. Had to work that in. Uh, the other moment I want to talk about, I, I, I think there, there could have been a moment of concern from Nashville SC supporters when Surridge had an open header after a beautiful cross and he just knocked it over the bar. He just missed. And yeah. we, we know, of course, that's going to happen to strikers. Uh, he's since reassured folks. But I wonder if there was a moment of your your heart sinking, you know, if you're a Nashville SC supporter out there of saying like, oh, no, like we just <laughs> we just got rid of a guy who struggled to finish in front of goal and Ake Loba. And now this new number nine's coming in and, and he just didn't have his body positioned. He didn't curl yeah. his run quite That's, enough. It's going to happen, but I can a header, understand. Like, a header is really run. tough. People don't realize yeah. that like the, the, the maximum expected goals on a header, even if you're like on the doorstep is like 0.2. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's that way for a reason. It's because those are difficult. And especially when the ball is not perfect or you don't time your jump perfectly. And we've seen that happen a lot. But we continue to see it happen with with guys on this roster, including you know, the best player in the league in Hani Mukhtar has, has gotten his body position not quite right and knocked headers over at times. So it's not something that I would really worry about. Yeah, and certainly now, nothing to worry about. I did that in reverse chronological order and, and probably should have gone the other way. But uh, the, the the way that all ended, of course, was was wild and crazy. Surridge, with the presence of mind to to find the space to make the run, Hani with the beautiful chip assist. Uh, Surridge, no question on that header positioning. Um power everything he needed to make the the goal happen then we go to penalties jack mayor misses his pk club america fans rush the field and there's no announcement that a var review is pending i didn't hear anything on on tv in fact Tula twelman at one point even said why are we just learning this now as as yeah. fans are rushing the pitch and running what are we doing crazy. he says well, yeah he does he does say that he yes um <laughs> thank you for taking us back to trinidad um but I don't know, and I don't know what was known inside the stadium either. Both teams are on the field, so they seem to know as they're trying to get people off and and point to mm-hmm. security guards who are injured, a security guard who was injured. Um, so the field's cleared. Then the official goes to the monitor. It's a good call. He's clearly yeah. off the line, right? Like, is is there anything to these America fans complaining that Panico was doing the same thing because clearly their keeper was guilty? Yeah, th- th- I don't think there's any question about that one. You do get a lot of America fans saying, "Oh, well, Panico is taking a step outside of the of the goal line or past the goal line, whatever." Um, anyway, as well, is there 
why why is Liga MX getting screwed here? Which is like very funny <laughs> in the grand scheme of the competition. Yes, to evaluate Concacaf history. Panico's take, yeah, Panico's taking one step forward, but you have you just have to have a foot in the clear. And he was, um, you know, taking that that kind of explosive step forward, and then as the ball was struck, releasing that back foot that was honestly all the way in his goal most of the time. It wasn't even on the line. So, yeah, Panico was legal. Um, it's really good. Uh, goalkeeping technique for a penalty. Uh, I wonder if that's his timing with that is one of the reasons why he has been a, a penalty substitute uh, in recent matches. So it's something to, to keep an eye on as you kind of evaluate what is different between Nashville SC's keepers. I think Panico has shown that um, it, Gary Smith was justified in, in placing him into the match um, for penalties in, in, the, in the previous time that Nashville went to penalties. And um, the fact that he was able to, uh, you know, go the the distance in the in the more recent game is something that, uh, you know, we'll we'll discuss in a second. But he's 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 developing maybe a little bit, maybe a year longer timeline than anyone thought from the Nashville SC perspective. Part of that timeline is probably just that Joe Willis has been outstanding for a little bit longer than than a lot of people thought. But um, yeah, Panico uh, followed the the letter and the spirit of the rule there. There has been a lot of angst in the past about Nashville SC in penalties. You look back at the Philadelphia Union playoff match a couple of years Maybe ago. We do, talk about I don't I don't look back at that at I all. Try <laughs> to avoid it where I can. Uh the US Open Cup penalty loss last year to Orlando with Panico and goal. In this case, Mayor hits the retake. Shock was off the bar from from America and, and the broadcast credited Panico for making himself big and kind of forcing a miss there for what it's worth. Dan Lovitz then, of course, wins it. For Nashville, has Nashville exercised its penalty demons after these these wins against Cincinnati, against America? I know there's an element of randomness in these, certainly, but there's also an element of mentality. This is a feelings ball situation where the mental state of these guys walking up matters. Can Nashville take confidence that it's won a couple of these now? You do know that I'm just going to ignore the feelings ball. I know you are, right? but, they, but they I think were, it's legit were, here. Penalties are mental. They were they were un, unfair, unlucky to lose in the past. Going back to the USL days uh, as well, um, have lost have lost Open Cup matches, I believe, as as well as their battery. their playoff yeah. match against Cincinnati. Um, it it was mostly bad luck. Yes, they had guys miss penalties completely, which you're seeing less and less from this club, and that's important too. But it's just a situation where, you know, you flip a coin. Sometimes you're going to get five heads in a row. Sometimes you're going to get five tails in a row. They got, I guess, five out of six heads in this one. And and America got, you know, four out of six. And um, it doesn't mean that Nashville was better at penalties uh, this week than they were in previous games. And it doesn't mean that they're suddenly going to be killers on from the penalty spot going forward. It means that they are and have been good. And hopefully that is good enough. I, I get the randomness piece of this, and I understand in general. You're not going to talk me into it, Wes. Don't try. <laughs> I'm just, well, I'm just looking back at their extremes on either side, right? Yeah. Like for me, Philadelphia was a bad penalty session. That was not just guys like Andre Blake's a great keeper, but you're hitting mm-hmm. the ball way over the bar. I think one almost went the Delaware River. Like it was, it was just a bad set of takes on the road in a in a very raucous environment. For me, I see this team gaining poise to do to to approach Cincinnati and to to get the job done look if the guy saves it he saves it you can have good penalties knocked down that's fine but i think the precision nashville showing here and with what they found in panico the ability to snag one or two of these um Mm -hmm. i think there's something mental as well Uh, understanding there is an element of randomness to this and i'll never convince you otherwise that i I, i'm fine with 
but I think it, it can they can at least go into these next sessions if they have to go to penalties against Monterey, which Nashville wouldn't mind that result. Um, I think they can take some confidence in what they've done. I think I think that matters. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Minnesota United, not as crazy. Uh, and we're going to hear now Sam Surridge's goal against Minnesota to make it 4-0. Ball in behind, Shuffleberg, and that one's going to go for Surridge. It's four. Flagstead's down. It's an absolute rout now. And what a ball from Dax McCarty to set everything off. Thanks to Apple TV for that. Keep costing it on the call. Had to do that one, of course, because it's the new DP striker scoring, but it wasn't the prettiest of the goals. Uh, that one belonged to Hani Mukhtar, the tough angle after a beautiful sequence we referenced earlier. Sort of a cagey game initially, Tim, and this one in the red card changed everything in the 34th minute. Good dog so call, right? I mean, it's I guess this is the officiating episode where we pretty much praise the officials, at least I do here. It's got to be a last man foul, right? It's got to be because yeah. it's not it's not um, a, a you know studs up challenge to the face, but by definition, it's it's got to be called, right? Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not the most violent or obvious foul, but it's a foul. Uh, it's also the type of foul that we have seen Nashville not get as much of as as we probably think they deserve. Usually it's Hani Mukhtar going down and officials for whatever reason have been told that Hani goes down equal easily. Excuse me. Um, I think Schaffelberg probably goes down more easily than Mukhtar does on a regular basis, but he got the benefit of the doubt on this one. And then when it's a foul, there's, there's no question that that is a, a dog. So um, denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Uh, Schaffelberg has possession and he's going to get another touch of the ball before the keeper can get out unless he's taken down and he is taken down by DJ Taylor. Therefore, if you call the foul, there is no, there's no ambiguity. It has to be a dog. So it has to be a red card because Taylor is the last defender. Um, it's unfortunate for him because he's a, he's a pretty good player who had a moment that was like on the border of being a clean play. But then since it wasn't a clean play, it's an automatic red card. But, um, you know, that's soccer, man. Two goals in 72 minutes for Surridge. Five goals for Nashville in that one. Shaq Moore, Teal Bunbury, Alex Mleal, Surridge, who came in at halftime for Bunbury. Uh, and Hani Mukhtar in the 59th. Um, you know, obviously, Sam Surich has not played 90 minutes in a long time. And uh, quality would justify him starting as soon as he can reasonably do so. Is Monterey the chance for that? Do you think that we see Surich come in and play 60 here because of what he's done now, two goals in two games? Or is the equation working so well, you're still working yeah. Surich back into fitness that he's a halftime sub again, most likely? I think he is somebody who is a perfect candidate to be like late game, as I call it, big dumb football, where you're just lumping the ball <laughs> into your striker. So uh, I would keep him in the role that he has been in, and you can kind of adjust that plan based on game state. You can't adjust a plan. If you put him in the starting lineup, you can't adjust a plan without completely screwing over your ability to make future substitutes like you can if you take him off the bench. Nashville has earned the right by virtue of the crazy win and then the uh, rampant win to play Monterey, uh, one of the gigantes in Mexico, coming to town Tuesday night. Hopefully most of you are listening to this as a pregame preview. Here's what Gary Smith has to say about the matchup. I think their form in this competition has, has been exemplary. It's, it's, it's been absolutely top draw. Um, when you look at what they've achieved, and as an example, the last game in L.A., against a top LAFC side, 2-0 down. I think you you get an idea of the sort of quality that this Monterey team have. As far as your, your, your sort of overview of their group, yes, they are very aggressive. They remind me an awful lot as I look at them of the first game that we had against Toluca. Um, 
They want to spread the field. They want to commit players. And we also obviously have the experience of a very good Club America group. But all three of the Mexican teams that we will end up running into, I think, have, have got a, a wonderful attacking look to them and a real open-minded approach, if you like, to attacking play, which is always difficult to deal with. Um, what and how we can contend with that will be a major factor in whether or not we get a result. But of course, a very big part of the process for us is to be able to take advantage of our own field. We've been confident, positive, and we've had some very good results here just recently. So I don't see any reason why we can't be as aggressive and ask as many questions as maybe they would ask us. Tim, we're going to let you get into great detail about this Monterey team here in just a second. First, I want to um, talk about the premise that, that Gary poses at the end of this quote, that he wants Nashville to ask as many questions of Monterey as Monterey asks of Nashville. Is that a reasonable expectation for a match like this, or would you expect to see Nashville be a little more conservative, knowing what Monterey has to bring to the table? Uh, at a certain point, if you know Monterey has a lot to bring to the table and you want to sit and bunker against them, you're going to tire yourselves out. So you might as well be a little bit more progressive, be a little bit more uh, of the question asker. And that's something that Nashville SC traditionally likes to do at home anyway. So it makes sense that he would say that. I think when you look at Gary Smith's history, he's going to at least start out the game with, you know, looking for a little bit more caginess and then he can have his, you know, his attacking talent hopefully make, you know, individual plays. You have a guy who is the best in major league soccer at making those individual plays and creating goal scoring opportunities. You don't need to give him, you know, eight players in support as you move into the attacking third. Hani Mukhtar is going to do some spectacular things either by himself or, or with one or two supporting players. And that's something that uh, you can still ask questions even without devoting a lot of numbers. And I think that's what I would look for Gary Smith to do, especially early. Seems reasonable to me. You follow this Monterey team fairly closely when it's in Liga MX competition. So let's get into their history and then hear your insight about what they're going to offer Nashville Tuesday night. Um, first of all, they went down 2-0 to LAFC. And it was almost kind of a repeat of the LAFC Tigre CCL final uh, back in 2020, I believe it was, where LAFC goes up, they're feeling great, and then a Mexican giant comes back. It was a penalty in the 68th, an own goal in the 80th, and then Funes Mori doing what he does, a winner in the 88th minute. Uh, before that, they had beaten their fellow Gigante Tigres with a PK in the 97th minute. They'd beaten Portland 1-0. Much easier grow in the groups, go in the group stage. Uh, they blanked RSL on the road 3-0. Still impressive, I think, to do in Salt Lake, which is a tough place to dominate. Seattle 4-2. Uh, this is a team that that has stymied Major League Soccer, not just this month, but in the past. These guys are good. Yeah, they haven't exactly been like blasting their knockout round opposition. As you mentioned, they they needed the comeback to beat LAFC. Um, they only beat Tigres with a with a late, late, late game penalty, a one-nothing win against a Portland team that's not very good. Um, you can question how seriously Seattle and RSL took the tournament from the jump. They obviously both got pasted in the group stage, but at the same time, I don't think think only beating Portland one nothing, for example, means that this is a team that is one goal better than Portland Timbers, who are are pretty bad this year mm -hmm. and, and have not looked, you know, that much better in in the uh in the competition. So it is a situation where I think you look at Monterey and and you know the name on the front of the jersey does as much talking as the results do, at least through these um you know five matches so far. So what do we know about these guys? 
Yeah, so they've traditionally been a fairly strict 4-4-2 or, or kind of 4-1-4-1 sort of team. Um, their captain, Celso Ortiz, left for Pachuca in this window. He actually captained Rados in the first three uh, Liga MX matches of the Apertura. Um, he has not been with the team in League's Cup. Um, defender Hector Moreno is the current captain. He took over. He has captained, I believe, all, all of the matches in this competition. Um, he's a, he's a, a Mexican national team regular. He played every minute in the World Cup. Um, there were only 270 of them for the Mexico national team. Um, that's bummer for those guys. Um, and then um, you look at uh, Argentine keeper Esteban Andrada. He's considered one of the region's best Um for whatever reason, uh, Liga MX teams do a really good job with Argentine goalkeepers. It's kind of a, just like a weird idiosyncrasy of, of kind of the transfer market between those teams, especially because Liga MX teams tend to hate uh, foreign talent <laughs> unless it's somebody who is uh, also Mexico eligible. You mentioned Rogelio Funes Mori scoring the the game winner against LAFC, and he is he is the goal guy. He has been for the last couple of years. He scored that 88th minute winner against LAFC. He's been with a strike partner. They have gone exclusively 4-4-2 um, in this tournament so far. Sometimes, like I mentioned, they'll go 4-1-4-1, and that's something that puts him a little bit more isolated up top. I would expect 4-4-2 just because that's what we've seen of them, but Funes Mori is the guy that you want to slow down and, and hopefully stop, and if he's not scoring, they do have other options, but um, they aren't quite as good as he is, so you might as well take care of the guy who's, who's the most dangerous out there. We've seen Nashville play Monter- uh, play America and play Toluca so far for its Liga MX competition. Is this a harder match than those two? Is this the toughest test among the three that Nashville will have seen? Um, America is is always by far the the biggest uh, spender in the region. Um, Monterey is is usually second or third behind them, so they're not far behind. Uh, I think when you, again, I, I mentioned that the the name on the front of the jersey, we'll do some talking and um, maybe some of the 40 sponsors on the jersey as well. But, <laughs> but uh, America is is the name that does the most talking on the front of the jersey. I think Monterey is probably a better team so far um, in the very young opportunity. They're only three matches in, but I think this is a better team. We'll see if if that matters on the night i think i don't want to you know get too into feelings but it seems like nashville is really taking this competition at least as seriously as as their competitors and maybe has found a little bit of magic sprinkled a little fairy dust uh, around the 95th minute of, of the uh magic <laughs> game you're there tim endorsing fairy dust that's a step beyond feelings ball i gotta say um <laughs> roster value according to transfer market take it for what it is but it's the best measurement we have it combines the collective uh, market value of uh, of players on a team uh, nashville at 43.9 million according to transfer market just for perspective monterey 80.5 million um that's uh, so you could just combine the you know, defenders and the midfielders alone. And that's more than Nashville uh, has on its entire team. So uh strict uh, stiff challenge for the boys in gold on Tuesday night, looking forward to covering it uh, and offering, uh, of course, Tim will have a good follow-up coverage on clubcountryusa.com. Uh, whatever happens when lose or draw uh, ML Rose will be the place you want to go right beforehand. So if you're still making your evening plans for tonight, do that, go there. And then, uh, you're going to have a, a, a potentially a, a final to get ready for as well. If Nashville can get the win, um, if they lose and there's a third place game, I shouldn't have started that sentence because I'm unclear about what their hosting uh, privileges would be against. Philadelphia it depends. So, so Nashville travels to Philly if they play Philly and they Got host it. Miami if they play Miami. And that's the equation for the final as well, of course, if yeah. that's if that's how that would work. So messy to Nashville. Uh, that's a sentence we could say legitimately if uh, if 
a couple of results occur. And ML Rose will be the place that you'll want to, to pregame there. Uh, I want to give a shout again to the awesome draft list there. Let's go back to basics for a minute. Uh, was was there uh, before my trip to the Speedway. I think I mentioned that uh, a, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago now. And there are so many new local drafts. I, I said then that I had the hot chicken or the national hot cheese curds uh, stumbled on that last time too. But the the drink options are always evolving. They keep the staples. But Tim, there are breweries in this town and in the state I've never even heard of that I've been introduced to at ML Rose. And that is God's work. That's a, that's a great thing for a restaurant <laughs> to do to not only give you great products and services, but to connect you with other strong local partners. Yeah. Especially uh, the soccer podcast of record, but <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, we, we talk a lot about how important this community is to us. And, and the beer community is part of that. The food community is part of that. They try to source a lot of their food locally if possible. Um, the beer, the beer menu is is something that we talk about a lot. Um, a ton of local breweries, like you mentioned. Um, I, I don't know that I've specifically discovered any <laughs> from ML Rose, but I've certainly consumed many local beers from ML Rose. And that counts too, right? Sure does. All right, let's move on to the mailbag. Finn Breland, what's your preferred starting lineup for tonight? Are we getting to a place where we need to manage mat- manage minutes for anyone with so many matches? Or did Friday's match being lopsided help in that regard? And we've talked about the general philosophical approach, which is, of course, to um, to go for it where you can. Do you feel like Nashville's roster is in a place where they can start the best possible 11 tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's full go. There's nothing to manage anymore. You are in in the semifinals of a, of a competition that not only comes with a trophy, but also has uh, the ability to to play your way into CONCACAF Champions League. I believe it's Champions Cup is what they changed the name to. But league games don't resume until the 26th. So it's essentially a normal game cadence at this point. You're going to play um, tonight, Tuesday night. You are going to play this weekend. And then you don't play until the following weekend. So it's a situation where um, Nashville doesn't have anything to kind of save their legs for at this stage. Yeah, uh, a blessing from the league. It was essential to happen, but uh, Nashville's August 20th match against New England was postponed to October 14th because, of course, of Nashville's continued involvement um, in League's Cup. I think the questions I have are not how does Nashville manage bodies looking forward? It's do they have the, you know, the fresh legs to to employ right away? And I wonder the one question I probably have, in, in addition to surge that we said earlier, is is Schaffelberg and Schaffelberg kind of betrayed himself a little bit, I think, in the press conference post game where he said, "Hey, my body doesn't always recover quite like Hani's does. Uh, Hani can go ninety, you know. Sometimes I and and Gary kind of jumped in and was like, yeah, he's a different type of player. It's the explosiveness that that Jacob has that it doesn't always enable him to bounce back as quickly. Do you think Schaffelberg and Surridge are your uh, second half subs here? Do you think Schaff starts right away? What's your what's your ideal setup? Yeah, I think rotating between which of of Pico and Schaffelberg who are they're not exactly the same type of player but they're very interchangeable stylistically in the role that they play for this team you can just alternate which one of them starts and which one of them comes off the bench and um, as I previously mentioned yeah Surridge off the bench makes the most sense for right now and that's what I think we will see and it's it's what I think makes the most sense all right so as we talk setup let's talk the tactics Jay Oz back four or back five for tonight I go back for, I do understand as, as we've talked about a lot when we were previewing the Monterey matches, I, I understand wanting to be defensive against a continental power, but at the same time, a lot of the time when you see Nashville go to a back three or a back five, it's because they're formation matching. And yes, they do like to do it sometimes of their own volition, but Monterey is, is a kind of dogmatic four, four, two or four, one, four, one type of team. Nashville has not been as willing to go with that back three to kind of shut down either two strikers or, or to, to match uh, across the front line there. 
when you have a team that plays a back four. So I think Nashville will play a back four. They have been comfortable in a back four. Um, they always do have the back three or back five in the in the pocket. So that's something that I think is possible, but but probably not first choice, at least if I were the coach and I am not. Yeah, and it's not a binary situation. You can play a back four and still have Dax as your plug at the anchor of the diamond play between the center backs and defense where he needs to. And it looks a little bit like a back five. And when you have that, then you've got a Dax McCarty, who of course is excellent at launching counterattacks from that deep lying position. I think that's your move is to run the... Oh. I meant, I meant to say this. I meant to say this earlier. Shout out to Dax. He has played some incredible long huh. balls against both yeah. Minnesota and uh, America. This dude has been on one lately. I can't believe we got this far without giving him the shout out that he so deserves. He's been the uh, the MVP that we haven't talked about. And if you want to give MVP to Hani or to Surridge, Hanako for a couple of penalty stops, do it. That's great. But at least the unsung hero has been Dax. I mean, the ball over the top to Hani when. America had every interest in dropping 10, 11 players back. He still breaks them down with a beautiful transitional pass. And then, of course, Hani and Sam Surge do the rest. But yes, of course. And the tap inside the box on that beautiful goal we've referenced now three times. It was awesome. It was it was, it was was tremendous. I completely agree. He has looked uh, incredibly fresh and incisive and been a great leader for this team. Uh, last question, if each is from John Mueller, by the way, if each Nashville SC player were a chess piece, which piece would they be and why? John, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to run through them all. I'm not going to go like one to 28 or however many guys are on the roster right now, but I'm going to give a, a few chess pieces here. I'm King, Hani, obviously, obvious reasons. You don't need me to tell you why. Anibal Godoy, I have as a knight. He's kind of that tough guy protector, more of the... Uh, the chivalry, uh, old old uh, England sort of knight, rather than a, a guy who can shape like a horse and only make an <laughs> L-shaped movement. Um, Schaffelberg and Fafa, I just mentioned that they're basically interchangeable in terms of the role they play for this team. I have them as as rooks because of their verticality. These are two guys who like to get vertical, and, and uh, rooks can only move <laughs> move vertically or horizontally. Um, for kind of the opposite reason, I have one uh, Michael Dax, Dax McCarty. As a bishop, he's been just absolutely nailing those long diagonals mm, lately perfect uh, Mwil, surprisingly alex Mwil, i have as a queen because he can do a little bit of everything and the queen can move in various directions huh. um and he can do a little bit of everything plus he grew up in new york city a, a short subway subway ride away from queen so i'm just gonna do the sort of pun oriented <laughs> uh thing there and everybody else on the on the team is a pawn you guys are only moving forward one spot at a time right. or something i don't i don't know I mean, I'm not, you're putting me in a position to support you by using a pun for your argument about Alex Mule. <laughs> so I guess I can't knock it. I, I would call Mule or Sean Davis pawns. And I, it, I think they would take that as a compliment, right? Whereas pawn is is typically used as a, you know, a, a derisive term. I think, you know, they, they fly below the radar. They position the team for success with their, with their movements. Um, but they can also kill an opponent's bigger piece with a sudden short diagonal. I mean, you know, the, some of the, the, you know, bending shots we've seen from Alex Mueil in random moments, some of the short passes we've seen from Sean Davis. I would say for me, the queen is Walker Zimmerman. That's not a sentence I've ever said. Um, versatility and power. That's what the queen has. Uh, you know, the, the queen s- typically sits back on the board, but if they need to move forward, they can. A la set piece goals, uh, Walker. I think that's actually the best The best one is Walker as, as the queen of this team. Um, and, but, but I also love, I love Dax as a bishop, the long diagonals. How can I argue that? That's, that's, that's also a very strong one. The rooks. Yeah. I think you nail the rest of this. I would say wheel and Davis are your pawns and Walker is, is the most powerful player on the pitch 
with some of the most versatility on the team. It's a pretty good effort, I think. John, thanks for that question. Love yeah. those. I don't know how to play chess, by the way. I like know what all the pieces do, but I'm terrible at it. When I used to play back in the day when it was on like Windows or whatever, it was just included in Windows. My goal was get play against the easiest computer, obviously. Get all the pawns to the other side so you have a bunch of queens and then just <laughs> surround the king. That is the only way I knew how to win. <laughs> it, all the pawns to one side, surround the king. Because okay. if you get them across, you can turn them into something else. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so it's almost like sounds like or, West doesn't know how to play chess either. <laughs> no, it's it's like the Orlando attack a little bit. Just overload to one side and then create pressure. <laughs> um, and surround the king at the back is Nashville SC twenty twenty. I guess um, pretty good stuff. Uh, final whistle. I've, instead of a content recommendation, I have an activity recommendation, which is uh, Major League Soccer starts back Sunday for teams that are not named Nashville, Miami, or Philadelphia. Uh, which means check your fantasy teams. Tim, do the same. Uh -oh. Fantasy is back. Uh, For the first so, time and definitely longer than the League's Cup has been going on, I will be checking my fantasy team. Yes, I know. Uh, the standings say that as well. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a climb back for both of us up the standings as uh, we both have some work to do against some tough competition, including many of you. So uh, thanks for that. Any content you want to throw out there or other stuff you've been thinking about or chewing on? Nothing specific, but there's been a ton of post-mortem content on the Women's World Cup from a U.S. women's national team perspective. Check out some of that. Um, it's, it's a major bummer how that one went. So um, check that stuff out. It, it's not quite as as, uh, as end of the world as, as Kuva was for the, on the men's side, but it is definitely something that there's going to be an evaluation of, of what the program is and, and needs to be. And, and so many great, talented writers, Steph Yang, um, uh, Meg Linehan, among them, have been putting out some incredible stuff. Check them out. Two outstanding journalists and, and among the many who have given incisive coverage of what indeed was a mortem uh, for the U.S. women's national team. Uh, one more note, I, I threw out an idea two weeks ago to pick a team in the English championship and follow them and have some fun. Uh, a lot of you did that and tweeted or texted. So thanks for that. Follow your teams. Keep me posted. Uh, on how they're doing, and uh, I'll be following Sunderland loosely uh, and Arsenal more passionately, of course, in the Premier League. Uh, it's going to be fun to trade uh, trade thoughts. A shout out as well to good friend of the show, Tony Husband, who's Plymouth Argyle, back in the second flight for the first time in a good while. There we go. To a solid start um, among many of you following teams, although Tony's followed his just a little bit longer than any of us, um, two weeks versus several decades. Uh, thanks to yeah, Tony's listening. been following his team longer than I've been alive. Just for the record. That's a safe statement, Tony. If you're still listening, uh, sorry, but it's also <laughs> true. It's also true, and you know it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, one more note to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, tell others what you think of the show. Tell others about the show and go to ML Rose to talk about soccer. And if you want to talk about the show and send us a tweet from there, we always enjoy it when you do that. Thanks to Moon Taxi for the jams on the front and back ends of the show. Local band doing great stuff. Thanks to the 440 Sports Network for giving us the platform to talk about the beautiful game. Tim, any final nuggets before we get out of here today? No, thanks, everybody, uh, for bearing with us as we skipped last week. But we are back and better than ever. And bonus content going to be coming your way to make up for next week. Don't know exactly when, but we're going to bring it to you, and we'll talk to you then.